Episode 5, The Beatles, Something New. The Beatles come to America. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to the Beatles Come to America podcast. I am your host, Tom Gallagher, along with the Beatle guru, Brooke Halpin. Today, we are talking about the Beatles, something new, and it was released July 10th, 1964. This is the fifth album release in seven months. Before we get into this episode, we got some housekeeping notes we just want to share, and then we'll get right into it. I have a podcast called Something Came From Baltimore. It's a music interview podcast about jazz, R&B, and blues. It's not really about Baltimore, but we want you to subscribe and be a part of that Be More music scene. That link is in the show notes. The Beatle guru, Brooke Halpin, is all-knowing when it comes to the Beatles, and he sweats that Beatles DNA. Follow him on Facebook. It's the Come Together with the Beatles and Brooke Halpin. That link is in the show notes also. And then... We also have a Facebook page called The Beatles Come to America, and we're asking you to subscribe. Just remember, we are a DIY lo-fi production. We apologize for any pops and hisses, and we hope you subscribe, participate, and enjoy. Just remember, we love The Beatles. It's something new, something old. You're going to have to listen to this podcast to find out. It's The Beatles Come to America, Episode 5, Something New. Brooke Halpin, welcome to The Beatles Come to America, where we are reviewing something new. Well, Tom, you know, it's uh, great to be with you. It seems like I was with you yesterday, but, you know, I'm not quite sure. But uh, it's always a lot of fun being with you, Tom. And here we are with something new album. And I have a lot to say about this album. I'll have you know. A lot. A lot to say. I love the fact that you lived it. Now, I'm a 70s baby, so I you know, went after these albums after they were already out in the shelf for, you know, roughly 10 years. This was a big year for you because Intro to the Beatles came out in January 10. And then in January 20, we got Meet the Beatles. And then we got the second album in April 10. We got the Hard Day's Night on June 26. And then we have this lull where something new takes its time, where it's July 20th. Just... Less than a, a month later, we get something new. Is it something new? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So here's the problem with this album. This album, it's, the name of the album is something new. It's not. It should be called, the name of the album should be called Nothing New. That's the true title of this album. And Capital, all they were doing, they were exploiting and capitalizing, uh, that's capital, by the way, they were capitalizing on the Hard Day's Night movie going to be released in the States in August. And they wanted this album to come out, come out just before the end. Now, the movie was released, and there's nothing new about it. And the cover is a, a, a joke. The back cover is even worse. There's nothing on the back cover. Yeah, there's a bunch of bunch of verbiage. There's no photographs on the back cover, and the front cover is a like an old a photograph that they did. It almost looks like the Ed Sullivan Show, but it's not. I don't think it might be. But there's nothing new about this album. There's no there's no new songs on this album. 
Well, you could say, you know, well, it's the first time that we're hearing in the U.S. things we said today and slowed down in Matchbox and any time at all when I get home. Okay. But as you know, and as I know, those songs were released on the U.K. The Hard Day's Night album. And what they were doing, because United Artists had released A Hard Day's Night prior to this album. And that's United Artists, and they were not happy about that. But there was nothing they can do about it because of the contract that Brian Epstein had with United Artists to do the soundtrack album to the movie. So, so Capitol says, all right, well, we need to cash in on the Beatlemania before the movie comes out, and we're going to call the album something new, which again is a, is a lie. It's, a, it's an outright lie. Uh, it makes me angry today. Okay, At the time, everybody went out and bought the album because it was the new Beatles album. It says right there, something new. It's a new Beatles album. No one was thinking what I was thinking today, talking about what I'm talking about. But Capitol did this, and they, for God's sake, they actually included songs that were on the Hard Day's Night album, the United Artists version, that we already had. We already had on an album. Where we already heard I'll cry instead, tell me why, happy to dance with you, and they'll love her and if I fell. So what they did, they took the same songs and they put them on this album. They called it something new. I'm really, I don't like this at all. I don't like this at all. Total exploitation, taking advantage of the fact that they knew that kids like me would go out and buy this album. And you know what? They were right. Because this album was like, what, number, what, what did it reach? I think it was like for nine weeks. It was number two for nine weeks with the same songs, with the, with the exception of a few songs. Yep. It's, I, think, I, I think it's terrible. But I, I really don't like the situation at all. It was nine weeks for uh, at number two, and uh, Hard Day's Night was in front of it. It went double platinum. It has five songs that are on the same album uh, for a Hard Day's Night, and exactly a lot of people are you know has a German song on this, and you know, people don't speak German. It's interesting now as a consumer, I picked this album first because there was songs. I'm still a little salty over the soundtrack. Uh, of the instrumentals. Well, I know for a fact I bought this album first before I did A Hard Day's Night. And I felt like I was getting a value. Americans were completely unaware of what was going on overseas because uh, import albums were not really coming over. The, so we didn't know that there was this amazing album called A Hard Day's Night that had all these songs on it, more or less. That's and, right. That's right. That Hard Day's Night album that is a... The, uh, the British version is fantastic, and what you got here is just chopped up pieces, and uh, yep. it feels yep. it feels sloppy. It is sloppy. And on that note, <laughs> let's talk about this. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I always like to, uh, I didn't, I ranked these albums so far. I'm going to ask you to do it, too. I don't know, if could, if, could you do it on the top of your head right now, or do you want to think about it? Everything that's come well, out so far. Well, this, this is the worst album. Absolutely. This is the absolute worst Beatles album. 
All right. So in, oh, yeah. in my case, I'm going to rank this as the Beatles' second album is my favorite so far. Intro to the Beatles, I'm very fond of, and Meet the Beatles. All three of them, I'm in, in a total love fest. Then it's uh, Something New and then A Hard Day's Night soundtrack. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. I just really love those first three albums, and I feel that we're kind of getting gypped with A Hard Day's Night in this, and we realize we are. So the, the first song that we have available is I Cry Instead. If I could get my way, I'd get myself locked up today, but I can't, so I'll cry instead. Yeah, well, we already talked about this. See, this is, this is the, you see, capital is creating a problem for you and me on the show today. <laughs> and it's still creating problems. We already talked about these songs. We talked about I'll Cry Instead. So why, why, why do we need to talk it, talk about it again? Right. I don't think we need to. I don't, we, no, we, we don't need to. Let's go right to things we said today. It's the B-side of A Hard Day's Night. Someday when we're dreaming Deep in love, not a lot to say Then we will remember It's uh, written on a cruise uh, yeah. In the Caribbean with Jane Asher, which uh, there was a lot of relationship songs with Jane Asher, and this is one of those. It was only done in three takes, which I think is crazy because it's a really good song. Uh, yeah. The piano was not supposed to be in it, but it was leaked into one of the mics. The beauty of the harmonies, and I find this to be a bright spot in their career as a real, like, step up in their creativity as a future as to where they're going. Yeah, I, I think that this is a great song. I love this song. I still love it. It's a fantastic song. It's a nostalgic song. Looking back, you know, things we said today, someday when we're lonely, wishing you weren't so far away, then we will remember things we said today. Beautiful. Now, what's also great about this song is that the verse is in a minor, it's in minor, it's in minor. I do it in A minor, I think it's A minor. The verse is minor when he's being nostalgic and the chorus jumps to major. And by the way, Paul harmonizes with himself. There's no, uh, George might be doing some harmony, but I believe it's McCartney. It sounds like Paul. Then when it goes to the bridge, this is interesting. It goes from an A minor verse to an A major, which is a huge shift. It's only one half step note change in the triad, they call it. But boy, when that goes to the A major for the bridge, me, I'm just a lucky guy. You know, that whole bit. Things we said today, me, I'm just a lucky guy. And they really, they're really pumping. They're pumping more energy on the bridge. And the lyrics are more positive on the bridge. So it makes sense. And I don't know, again, if Paul was aware of this, is that here he is, he's got the most positive lyrics in the song, in the bridge, and it happens to be major chords. They're all major chords in the bridge. Then when he steps back to the verse, it goes back to A minor, goes back to minor. Brilliant. I mean, in terms of composition and songwriting, it's absolutely musical genius. And of course, he wrote it for a hard day's night, and it wasn't—it <laughs> wasn't used in a hard day's night. Very interesting stuff. 
Remember the Flintstones? They had the Bo Brummel Stones. And the, the uh, song that they sang over and over and over on the one show sounds extremely similar to the things we said today. So when I hear this song, I always think of the bro, the bro Brummel Stones. Bro, what am I saying? Am I saying it right? One of the country's most popular recording groups, the Bo Brummel Stones. Yeah, they had they called them the Bro Brummel Stones. Oh, okay. The Bo Brummels was a band out of San Francisco in yeah. like nineteen sixty five. Uh, they had them featured on the Flintstones and the song that they sang was to me felt identical to things we said today. Well, I'm sorry I missed out on that. And by the way, it's Bo Brummels. They were the best of band from San Francisco with a song called Laugh Laugh. Now, the next song is our third song is Anytime at All which I feel has uh, another really great high-energy song, perfect for uh, Hard Day's Night. Um, it was a mainly a, um, a John Lennon song, uh, but then Paul said he, had, uh, he did the middle. Um, Paul sang Anytime at All, like, Anytime at All, just because he could hit those notes. Anytime at all. I think this is just another perfect song within the time frame of their career. High energy, and I love the common response between Paul and John. I think it's pretty awesome. I love it. It's a high energy song. I love it very much. And Lennon's vocals are very strong. Very, very strong vocal deliverance. He delivers a great vocal. John was writing different lyrics at this time. When he wrote the lyrics to I'll Cry Instead, I've got a chip on my shoulder that's bigger than my feet, you know. I've got every reason on earth to be mad, you know. I mean, those are pretty pretty strong. They're strong, but they're not upbeat. But this, these lyrics, when he's saying things like, if the sun has faded away, I'll try to make it shine. I mean, that's gorgeous. What a beautiful lyric. That's a lyric that you would expect from Paul, quite frankly, and George write a lyric like that. But George wouldn't write a lyric like that in 1964, but later on in his life, after the Beatles broke up. So it's a beautiful lyric. It's a, it shows John uh, in a caring, loving way, lyrically. And he, it's interesting, too, that John ends the song with just a chord on his rhythm guitar without the band. which was unusual. So they were still, at that time, still, of course they were, they were being their creative, innovative selves with his song. And uh, I love it. love it very much. Anytime it all has such a high energy that they've continued. The next song, number four, is When I Get Home. Whoa, whoa.
This was influenced by the Shirelles. It took 11 takes. That's a lot for them at that time. But you see, again, you're saying that, you know, these are songs that they wrote for A Hard Day's Night, and we're talking about the Something New album. You know, we already talked about the Hard Day's Night album, and they're not on the U.S. Hard Day's Night album. So this is all very confusing, and it all had to do, as I said before, it all had to do with exploitation, knowing that the kids would go up and buy this album. The Nothing New album is what I call it. I love this song, When I Get Home. I mean, my God, right from the very beginning, whoa, whoa, hi, whoa, whoa, hi. Good Lord, hello, yes. I mean, it just grabs you immediately. I got a whole lot of things to tell her when I get home. Now, lyrically, this is very interesting. Because what does he tell her when he gets home? We never know. <laughs> he doesn't say what he tells her. Now, also on the bridge, well, before we get to the bridge, the insinuation that I get, because John and all the Beatles at this time, you know, they were having affairs and having intimate relations with uh, women all over the place. So when he says, he says in the bridge that I'll love her more until I walk out the door again. Now, that's pretty suggestive. It's like, okay, I'm home. And when I'm home, I'm loving you. But then when I walk out the door, eh, not so much. <laughs> that's my interpretation. And that's what was going on. John would go home and see Cynthia, right? And then he'd go back on the road, and he would be doing what they do on the, on the, on the road. So this song is really about him being with other, other women, and then when he gets home, everything is fine and dandy uh, until he walks out the door again. So the lyrics, he was actually coming out and saying it, but nobody, nobody knew that back then. No one knew what he was saying that, but I, that's my interpretation of the lyrics. This one, number five, is Slow Down, which was a Larry Williams song. It was uh, on the specialty records. Come on, pretty baby, won't you walk with me? Come on, pretty baby, won't you talk with me? Come on, pretty baby, I'll give you one more chance. Try to save our old man, slow down. This is one of those records that they got out of Brian Epstein's shop. And when they played Dizzy Miss Lizzie, they flipped it over and they were slowed down and they were like right. total in love with it. And because, right. you know, no one in, in England knew these songs, they became their songs. So it was something they worked through at the Tavern Club and it was a favorite and they made it more of their own version. Uh, this Ian McDaniels, he is a critic and an author, said this is one of the Beatles' least successful rock and roll covers and I disagree. I love this song too. I'm not, I don't hate it at all. You want our love to last. 
this is a, a very good rock and roll song. Uh, the Beatles, as you said, loved it. That's why they covered it. But when you listen to the recording, and I've listened to it many, many, many times, the band is not tight. It's not, they're not tight. They should have done another take or another two takes. John is playing lead guitar on this song. And it's not, John's lead guitar playing on this song is not that good in my opinion. In the introduction, and then he goes, he slides up on a, on a chord. And then when it goes to the four chord, it's it's it doesn't flow. He's it's it's having a hard time playing the damn chord. So they they should have done it. They should have done another take for God's sake. And when you listen to it to it, what I'm saying, you're going to hear that. And the other thing that uh, I don't like about this recording is that John, of course, he's doing a double track vocal and he's saying different words and they kept it in. This is before the guitar solo when he talks about uh, the uh, boyfriend, what is it, boyfriend down, yeah, boyfriend down the street. He's saying some other words. He's not saying the same words when he's doing the double tracking. So it's sloppy. Carry your books home too. This is a sloppy recording. The band's not tied. John's guitar playing is not good. His, his solo is, eh, you know, eh, it's okay. Nothing great. And Ringo, I think, Ringo's drumming is excellent. And John's lead vocal is excellent, but other than that, no, um, they should have they should have done another take on this on this song. Matchbox, that's a Carl Perkins song, right? Yeah. Okay, so Carl Perkins wrote it. Jerry Lee Lewis played on it. It was a B side of Your True Love. So this is another one of those songs that the Beatles got a hold of that they really really love. Well, I'm sitting here one. It charted, it hit number 17. Uh, the B-side was Slow Down. They used to have this song available for Pete Best. It became right. a Ringo song. So, yeah. uh, Matchbox. This became like a almost a, a blues staple. Like It really elevated the song. Uh, there are so many different covers on this song. It was only because the Beatles... I uh, recorded it. What's your thoughts? I said I'm sitting here wondering, matchbox holding my clothes. I ain't got no matches, but I sure got a long way to go. I'm an old poor boy and I'm a long... Well, they, the Beatles loved Carl Perkins, especially George, because Carl Perkins was rockabilly, and George loved rock, playing rockabilly guitar. Now, there's a couple of things that are really interesting about this. Ringo, of course, as you said, that did the lead vocal on the recording. And when he did, he had a sore throat. So he was struggling 
with the vocal. As a matter of fact, he triple-tracked his vocals. And when you listen to it, you can hear that he's not tight with his overdubbing, overdubbing the same vocal track. He probably wasn't feeling good. He had a sore throat. And to, to compound matters, Carl Perkins was in the recording studio while they were recording this, which probably didn't make Ringo feel too comfortable. Probably made him feel uneasy, combined with the fact that he had a sore throat. So that was not good. And then here's another situation where John's playing lead guitar again. And the guitar solo is okay. Yeah, nothing great. Now, why in the world, here's the question, didn't George Harrison play lead guitar in this? Because George was the rockabilly guy. He, he knew rockabilly far more than, than Lennon ever did. And I don't know why. I wish that George had played the lead guitar solo on this song. And I wish that Ringo didn't have a sore throat. And probably would have been better if Carl Perkins was not in the control booth. <laughs> but anyhow, <laughs> that's the situation, folks. <laughs> How much pressure was that to have uh, Carl Perkins in the room while you're doing their song and you know you're... Yeah, and with a sore throat. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, not a, good, not a good combination, no. But the recording is... Yeah, it's okay, but I can hear all those all those flaws. I can hear the flaws, Tom. On side B, we have our first song, "Tell Me Why." Our second song is "And I Love Her." the The third song is "I'm Happy Just to Dance with You." Yeah, we already did those. Yeah. Yep. The yep. fourth song is "If I Fell in Love with You." Yeah, if I fell, we did that as well. Hello, this is uh, nothing new. <laughs> Nothing new at the last track. Do me a favor. Work me through this one. It's a, a German version of She Loves You. They also are, and I want to hold your hand. And there was another one that they did. It's on the Swan Records. Can you just give the whole, like, uh, explain to the audience, because wh what happened here? As you and I and most of our listeners know, that the Beatles played in Germany uh, for at least two years, two years. The Beatles played in Germany for at least two years, 1960 to 1962. Uh, they may have played in 63, but I don't think so. And they had a huge following, uh, not only in Hamburg, where they performed, of course, but they were popular in Germany, certainly once Beatlemania took hold. Uh, Beatlemania was not confined to just the UK or the US, it was worldwide. So the Germans loved the Beatles, and they felt as though to a certain extent that they, they were kind of like, they were like the, the German Beatles. <laughs> they felt like the Beatles uh, were theirs because they spent so, so many hours and days and months and years performing in, in Hamburg at the different clubs. So it was a very smart idea uh, to, and the idea was, listen, 
you have a huge following in Germany. Why don't you boys sing two songs in German for your German fans? Which they did. And Brian Epstein, you know, thought it was a great idea. And, of course, George Martin also thought it was a great idea. Now, the Beatles obviously went along with it because they knew that they had a big following. So, in Germany. So, from a marketing and sales perspective, it was very, very smart for them to do this, you know, to do um, give me all done. Now, when I heard this song, when I had the Nothing New album, and, and I listened to this track, I didn't know what the hell they were doing. There was no explanation like the explanation that I just gave. It's like, what the what are they doing? Singing in some strange language. I didn't know German. I was speak German. I didn't understand German in 1964. So they put it on a U.S. album, which didn't, and it quite frankly, doesn't make any sense to me today either. Why did Capitol do it? Because they needed to flesh out this nothing new album with a song that no one has ever heard before in the U.S. that we couldn't understand. <laughs> so, again, I don't like the fact that Capitol did this whole nothing new album and then to top it off, to put out a song in the Beatles singing in German, which we don't understand. I mean, would we rather hear I Want to Hold Your Hand with the Beatles singing in English, or would we rather hear I Want to Hold Your Hand, Come Give, come give Me a Dein Hand in German? What would we rather listen to? Of course we would rather listen to the song that we loved, I Want to Hold Your Hand. So to me, this was, again, it was just part of capital just needing to fill out the album, flesh it out, give it, you know, enough time. I think the album is what, how long is this album? It's not that long. It's only 24, yeah, 24 minutes. So, so they needed it. What else are they going to put on? Are they going to put on another song that was already released on, you know, some other album? So, so I don't, I don't like it. I understand it. I understand why they did it, but I don't, I don't need to hear this song. I don't even bother listening to it today. As a matter of fact, I have never, and no offense to the Germans, it's not that I don't like Germans. I have German friends, friends in Germany. And my radio show is very popular in Germany, come together with the Beatles, because they love the Beatles. But I've never played this <laughs> this song on my radio show. <laughs> I never have. You know, unless there's going to be some time there's going to be a, a proclaimed a German day, you know, in the U.S., or that if Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr suddenly say, oh, you know, we're going to do a whole Germany celebration, you know, then I might do it. But otherwise, no, I don't even play this song on my show. That's how much I don't like it. They have two new producers on it. Yes, they do, the Germans. Yeah. And was that just the, to create the translation of the lyrics? Yeah, that was that was part of it. As a matter of fact, the... Uh, the Germans actually uh, on the record, Jean, and, which is a stage name, John Nicholas, and then Heinz Helmer, and uh, Lee Montague, sounds like another stage name. 
um, they are getting credit, uh, actually, as songwriters on this because of the translation. <laughs> now, think about that. How cool is that? I'll do that. Yeah, how cool is that? So these guys are cashing in as lyricists along with John Lennon and Paul McCartney in 1964? Hello. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the whole thing stinks. <laughs> to me, I just don't like the whole idea. They're cashing in on it as well. And they did, obviously. Well, you think this? you think these guys wrote any more lyrics? What do you think? I uh, read that it took 11 takes. It did reach 97 on our charts. Oh, yippee, 97 in the U.S. Oh, wow. They cracked the top 100. Yeah, surprisingly. And um, <laughs> they thought it was a good idea until they got into the studio. And John had some difficulty. He seemed like it was a, the translation wasn't there. It wasn't, right. they were doing a, a tour. So they were just in New York for a tour. They were supposed to get in and out and knock this out. And it just, right. just felt more and more complicated, just like our show. It just seems a lot more complicated than it's supposed to be. <laughs> and he was having second thoughts as he was going through it, just like the show. <laughs> oh, you're funny today, Tom. <laughs> By the way, they recorded this in Paris. They didn't even record it in Germany, and they didn't record it in London. They recorded it when they recorded Can't Buy Me Love at the same studio, the past Marconi Studios. It's a great idea. I mean, obviously, a lot of people speak German in theory. And, um, you know, I'm a fan of Connie Francis and uh, bought her box set. And she has uh, Italian, German. She translated all her songs into different languages. And I can only imagine she was, a, you know, uh, very successful in those markets. It's time-consuming, it, and it's not necessary when you're the Beatles. <laughs> right. Yeah. At this point, um, you just put out five albums in, you know, less than a year, and we have another album coming out uh, that says 1965, but it was released in December 15th. It's the, it's the Beatles, 65. Yeah, we'll have to get to that next time around. Beatles yeah. '65. Yeah, it, it, that was the title was foreshadowing. It was like, okay, this is what's going to be happening in '65. And I'll just say this on this recording is that Beatles '65 was truly foreshadowing the Beatles' sound had changed quite a bit from the albums that we had just reviewed up to this point. And I'm going to look forward to speaking with you about Beatles 65 next time around. It's weird how that, you know, just one year, their sound completely changes or morphs into something else, and 65 becomes a different year with a different sound. Nothing new album to you is a thumbs down or thumbs middle or you're happy that it's the Beatles you're not happy that Capitol ripped you off I hate this album Tom okay <laughs> uh, I, I have to admit the album cover is blurry I, I don't understand why they couldn't come up with something like they, they could dress this pig up a little better well they couldn't because they would they rushed it out they didn't spend any time on it they threw it all together and it sounds like a throw together it's nothing new by the Beatles. 
It's 24 minutes, and it is a double platinum album. Capital could turn around and say it was a success. So we didn't feel it, but obviously it worked for them. So uh, we are up to uh, Beatles 65. It's uh, the Beatles Take Over America. I'm your host, Tom Galker, along with Brooke Halpin. Tom, listen, it's, it's great being with you. I just wanted to say one thing about things we said today, because we are saying things today, right? We are. The sound of that one note. Da -da you say you will. Ba -da it's an incredible sound. It's the it's the strumming of the A string, the open A string on guitars, plural. Plus, the piano plays it as well. Brilliant. Everything about things we said today is brilliant. That's the only thing. Yes, I like. Any time at all when I get home and slow down is eh, okay, matchbox is eh, okay. But things we said today is the is the star yeah, on this album. Everything else is B material. Uh things we said today is pretty awesome. And uh it's uh it's I guess it's the Beatles that I like to hear. I think it's very, very intelligent and uh um it's just it's awesome. And it's the Bo Bro Brummelstones, so it reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> we can't forget those Brummels, Tom. <laughs> All right, I, that one was easy, so uh, let's see how our next one goes. Okay. <laughs> that was the easiest one we've done so far. Yeah, and, and I got to, you know, I'm really glad that, you know, People think, oh, you know, here's Tom and Brooke again, you know, raving about how great the albums are and how great the songs are. Well, no, not so quick, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're really hearing what I have to say about this LP. Yeah, yeah, it's fair. I mean, I'm not, I, I, I kind of bashed Hard Day's Night. I'm not happy with it. <laughs> and, and so, you know, that gives on record, too. You, when you have 50 years to look back on stuff, you can definitely come up with yeah. a, a different thing. When you're in the middle of it, it's just one big party. But looking back at it, you know, you realize that Capital um, definitely screwed uh, the American public. And they yeah, did. they just cashed in. They just completely exploited us, and they did very successfully. Yeah, yeah. You know, when they did the the CDs, it felt like a, they were all brand new albums again. Yeah, yeah. Those pigs. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Thanks, Tom. It was a lot. It was really a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's always fun to talk to you. All right. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Take right, bye -bye. care. Next episode, The Beatles 65. Now enjoy an original Brooke Halpin. Now enjoy an original Brooke Halpin composition. Put down your guns. Put down your guns. Put down your guns. Join the march.
to make a safer way for you and for me, for he and for she, for everyone from A to Z. Put down your guns, put down your guns, the time has come to put down your guns, put down your guns. It's time to listen. Listen to our voice. You're with us or against us. You make the choice for a better tomorrow for the children of today. We want action now without delay. Put down your guns. Put down your guns. Put down your guns. End of episode.